the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Since March is Women's History Month and March 8th is International Women's Day, I've decided to do new content this month on The Rob Black Show. Over the next month, I'm going to introduce all of you to some female financial advisors from EP Wealth, some of which you'll get to know more intimately through the year, like Stephanie Richmond, CFP. We're going to be covering a wide variety of topics specific to women and money, something that's not near and dear to me my heart, but something I pay a lot of attention to. What are the top financial concerns plaguing professional women? Why are women investing less than men? How do you walk away from a financial win after divorce? How does the gender pay gap affect retirement? I'm going to have Kathy Costas on talking about divorce. Laura Knoll talking about financial steps to take when your spouse dies. I'm going to have Liz McQueen talking about top financial concerns amongst professional women. But today I get Stephanie Richmond, gender pay gap and retirement planning expert, CFP, and much, much more. Why aren't women investing? Stephanie, let's talk about what do you think are the biggest financial hurdles facing women specifically in retirement today? Good morning, Rob. Thank you for that question. Uh, you know, the, one of the biggest hurdles is that they just don't have enough savings, right, to necessarily last their lifetime if they're not careful. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And I should also say possibly not enough income from other sources as well. But one of the biggest reasons for that, Rob, and I think you mentioned it in your intro, is um, women uh don't necessarily earn as much as men, right? There is still a large gender pay gap. In fact, on average, their lifetimes, women earn a lot less than men. Not a surprise. And I think that gap is closing. But if you stop and think about it, if you earn less, you save less, right? You can't afford to put as much away in your retirement savings plans. So the other thing is because you have to focus on, you know, paying for your living expenses. And so over time, it means that women accumulate less. You know, other things that come up are the fact that we live longer, too. So if you imagine that women are saving less, but we live longer, um, it is more and more likely that we'll run out of money during our lifetime. And, you know, I was I was uh, thinking about some of the the uh, clients I've worked with over the years. And, you know, one of the things that is often a surprise is what happens if a client if 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 a client is married is what happens when the first spouse dies right mm-hmm. it's is is it's kind of shocking that income can significantly drop and that's because um the surviving spouse is left with just one social security check and so you know that what that results in for women particularly because we do live longer is that we have a lot less income to live on uh, in our retirement years than we might have thought. So women now outnumber men in the U.S. college-educated labor force. It's like you said, a little bit of a problem that the pay gap is still problematic. 
all these years into realizing that there's a pay gap. Does the gender wage gap affect a woman's ability to retire in the long run, do you think? You know, I think I think it does. I think women, as a result of it, tend to work longer, uh, you know, and, and part of the reasons for that is, you know, again, what we earn affects not just our savings, but it also impacts our our Social Security check later. And not that many people can afford to live simply on Social Security anymore. But, you know, that on average, um, women, women's Social Security checks are 80 percent of, of that of men's. And so the other thing that maybe we don't often think about is that we have to put, you know, our Social Security income is based on um, our top 35 years uh, worth of uh, income. And oftentimes women may run into the fact that they don't even have 35 years worth of income, uh, you know, in order to uh, benefit Social Security in a positive way because they've taken time off for children. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. so that time off for children also affects their pay. Right. I was reading a study that said that women who have one child earlier in their career often accumulate one hundred and thirty one thousand dollars less um, in the pot um, towards their Social Security check. Does that does that make any sense? Absolutely. And there's a lot of cliches out there like women are better shoppers and women are. It's it's <laughs> it's unfortunate because what we're dealing with is a, a major uh, a shortfall in income and a major shortfall in income equals a major shortfall in savings. Women over own over half of the wealth, but invest it less than men. Why do you think that is? I think it's because, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think part of it is interest and okay. that's just a simple thing, right? Meaning um, women's uh, attentions might be focused elsewhere, like on caring for the family which, whether it's children or caring for, you know, an elderly parent, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so their interest is focused, like I said, elsewhere. But also, I think historically, what I found, and this is just based on my um, time helping lots and lots of people um, over the years, is that women often will take care of the household finances, i.e. pay the bills, right? But men often... Not necessarily just they're not just necessarily the ones that earn the money, but they're the ones who then therefore invest. And so I often find um, the men do the investing, the women pay the bills and it's changing. It's becoming more and more equal or where people partner together more than ever before. But I think that's a big part of it. And then also and I'm I'm here to perhaps attest to the fact that we as women tend to be more conservative in our investing as well. Right. We were often more careful just because we're not we're not risk takers in the same way that men are when we, you know, what's interesting about that is I used to be a registered investment advisor before I got into financial media and I saw better portfolios coming from single women into my office than I did from single men because the men were taking the rest. The women were being conservative and I, I loved it. And the results were better for them than for the men more often than not. One final question. We only have about a minute. Is there anything that stands out to you? Cause you've worked with both men and women. Any stories that show a difference between the way men and women look at their savings and their investments? Uh, yes, thanks for that one. Um, very, very quickly here. I mean, I want to just tell a story um, is, uh, uh, that, that of a couple I experienced. And this was a couple I worked with some years ago. And when I met with them, usually sitting in the room with, with this couple um, regarding their retirement planning, um, this, um, female client hardly spoke a word. She let her husband take the lead. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so over the years, um, you know, we got to know each other, but she again, wasn't the lead partner in this discussion. And then unfortunately um, her husband started to suffer from dementia and eventually had to go into a memory care unit and she was left holding the reins and she didn't know how to, I know we only have a second left here, but I just want to say that the thing that really stood out about this woman is she was lost after that um, event occurred, that health event occurred. And I found myself having to educate her um, and how to handle things, what was most important, and even how to actually log into her accounts to understand where her money was. So it was it was a bit of a surprise. Um, uh, I actually found myself getting into a computer with her, you know, with her permission, helping her log uh, in. Yeah. I actually, yeah, sorry, now we have to wrap up. <laughs> no, no, finish the story. You were getting into a computer with her. Yeah, I was getting into a computer with her, meaning she was logging in. I was explaining what to do, but she was afraid to put her hand on the mouse and click on the box after she entered her password. That's that's the extent of her uh, fear around what to do. And I was astounded by that and really learned something. And it's important to engage both spouses or both partners in this process. Thanks very much. It's Stephanie Richmond. She's with EP Wealth. She's a CFP and regional director. She's talking about Women's History Month and the gender pay gap, retirement planning. Why are women not investing as aggressively as men, as much as men, and much, much more? Thanks very much, Stephanie Richmond, EP Wealth. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. The market started the year with a bang, a boom. It slowly turned into, eh, maybe we got a little too far ahead of ourselves, or we hoped for best case scenarios on inflation data. The 10-year Treasury has worked its way up to almost 4%, which negative for stocks, great for bonds, and great for income portfolios that may need to do things like Treasuries or CDs. That's my big win this year so far, is I'm locking in my lower end of my portfolio, the area, not growth, but the income part of my portfolio, I'm locking in some stronger returns. I'm being active. Um, do I still have my growth? Yes. Do I still have money to put into growth if stocks go lower? Yes. I'm not freaked out. I'm not stressed in any way, shape, or form. I think our market goes through periods where inflation disappears like it has for the last 20 years, and then it showed up in 2022 with a vengeance. Um, last half of 2021 for sure. So it's been about 18 months and we've seen it in our prices of our steak, our pork, our chicken prices of our cars, fewer and fewer cars are now made that are affordable. So what's happening right now is the story of inflation and it's still lingering. We would have liked to call it 2022, the year of inflation, just put it in a box and put it away. Now, 2023 would be the year of the recession that's likely to come from the inflation or the fighting of the inflation by the Federal Reserve. It's not that easy of a story to write, but pretty darn easy right now. This is not abnormal. Or, as my friend was once named, Abby Normal. Tough name for a kid, huh? Abby with the last name Normal. NASDAQ down two-thirds of 1% yesterday. The SP 500 was down one-half a percent. The Dow was basically flat. So it's not a market bloodbath in any way, shape, or form, but the 10-year Treasury sits at 3.99%. That's 
kind of a headwind if it goes to four, four, one, four, two. I don't see markets working. Not right now, not till earnings expectations come lower or valuations come lower. And when valuations become lower, it's usually because the markets have come down, which is something people don't want to hear. But that's the facts, Jack. Stocks kicked March off like a lamb rather than like a lion with investors still spooked by the bond market's moves. AMC failed to bring out the magic or the meme stock mafia. Uh, AMC stock down 8%. It reported a loss for its 14th straight quarter. It is a stock that I would never, ever, never, ever invest in because they're losing money. And because my TV at home gets bigger and bigger, my sound system gets bigger and bigger. And I just don't like going to movies um, as much as I used to. Also, the movies just aren't really working for me. Eli Lilly gave in to the insulin price cut pressure. Some diabetic Americans soon will be able to spend less than their monthly Internet bill to pick up a life-saving medicine. That seems to make sense. Um, there's been a lot of arguments through the years that Eli Lilly needs to make money off Americans because we're fat and rich. And then supply their drugs to areas of the world where people are skinny and poor. And I know that may not be the coolest thing to say. And politically, I could probably be canceled for that. It's Americans are, are the target. We pay the premium. Is that right? I don't know. I can tell you that I've my son's girlfriend has diabetes and her parents have a good salary and they have a good home. But it's still a financial burden um, due to the fact that uh, there was a divorce and childcare and things like that are kind of wonky at best. And insulin was a major price factor in, in their, their lifestyles. It's getting better. Tragic train crash in Greece. Once again, reminds us why you have life insurance, why you have um, preparing for the worst case scenario. It's a horrible thing to say. And my brother David once taught me this, and this is where the, the lesson comes in. My brother David is an attorney, um, and my brother Peter is an attorney. And they said, Rob, if you're 16 years old and you ever hit someone on a bicycle in your car, put it in reverse and make sure they're dead. They were joking. We have the last name Black. We have a black sense of humor, dark sense of humor. But to me, the tragedy in Greece are not necessarily the 43 dead, but the 350 are hurt or damaged. Um, the ability to get to work, the ability to earn money. Um, things can change in a flash in your life. Biden's going to exercise his first veto. Congress has passed a resolution that would roll back a Department of Labor rule, allowing retirement plans to consider environmental, social, and governance factors when selecting investments. I don't get into the whole ESG thing, and maybe I should. Um, as an investor, it's just, eh. as a financial media guy, I'm just like, eh. it, it's tough for me to say, let's look at something that's, I'm not going to say superficial, um, but I like the results. I like the data more so than the presentation. TikTok. Um, said yesterday that they're going to put a 60-minute daily screen time limit for users under 18. It'll implement it. You're going to have to turn it on. Good luck, parents. Um, I've gotten lost in Twitter video feeds. My son has gotten lost in Twitter video feeds. Instagram does the same thing, and it's getting better. That's good news for Facebook shareholders, Meta. 
Um, that's out there. All right. All right. All right. Let's have three. All rights for Salesforce. Salesforce slash 8,000 jobs this year, but it pays $10 million a year to Matthew McConaughey to be a creative advisor. All right. All right. All right. That's three. All rights up. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Mark Benioff noted that activist investors swarmed the company as it struggled to, uh, they're making a lot of money today. So Salesforce came out with an earnings report yesterday and they upped their targets for the year. And Wall Street's like, sweet, stock's up huge today. Um, Salesforce is an interesting one because there's a lot of value that can be unlocked. And Mark Benioff, he's not my favorite billionaire CEO. He's incredibly charitable, which I appreciate. Um, He's not my favorite because I almost feel as if there's a, a... ticket to spend too much money on employees. And now he has to go backwards and say, whoops, I shouldn't have hired you. And that's people's humans lives. You know, people who have homes, people have kids, people have school, uh, kids in school. You got a cushy job in the first place. And now the cushy job might be taken away from you. You see where I'm going at with this. YouTube plans to add AI features for video creators as the AI arms race heats up. Meta's VR and AR hardware plans for the next three or four years have been published. They're pretty fascinating. Prince Harry got evicted from his Frogmore castle, which I find funny. But Meta plans to release its first pair of smart glasses with the display in 2025 alongside a neural interface smartwatch designed to control them. Its first pair of full-fledged AR glasses, which CEO Mark Zuckerberg has predicted will eventually be as widely available as mobile phones, is planned for 2027. So the details have come out of Meta's Reality Labs division, came out earlier this week during a roadmap presentation. So what do you think about that? We're going to get 2025 smart glasses. We're going to get a watch that can control with a neural interface um, the smart glasses. Then you get predictions for mobile phones being replaced, not replaced, but more full-fledged AR glasses taking over mobile phones by 2027. I say no way on that one. But there's also some updates to the Quest 3 headset coming later this year will be two times thinner, at least twice as powerful, and cost slightly more than $400. The recently announced Quest Pro will be prominently featured mixed reality experiences that don't fully immerse the wearer thanks to front-facing cameras that pass through video of the real world. Meta has sold nearly 20 million Quest headsets to date. Um, So we're getting a little bit more data. Again, it's not a fast implementation. But glasses, interesting, right? Here's the saddest statistic I'm going to give you today. Many Americans aren't saving for retirement at all. And listen to this. 36.8% of Americans are not saving for money, retirement at all. At all. 36.8. Now, the people who are saving $10,000 or less for retirement are 26.5%. If you add those two numbers together, the fact is you get 63.3% of Americans that have nothing, between nothing and $10,000 saved for retirement. I, if I, you could add another 14 points on that if you go to under 50,000. So you would say 75% of Americans are saving nothing to 75,000. Now, 
those who are comfortable, 1.89% have saved a hundred thousand, a million or more. 1.4% have saved between 700,000 and a million. So if you add those two up, 3.2% are ready for retirement. That's not good. And that's going to be a very ugly retirement, in my opinion, for a lot of Americans. And I think my show went from talking about tech stocks and growth stocks and trying to beat the markets to trying to understand that I don't want people to work till the day they die. And I want them to have some retirement years of figuring out how to slow things down, of getting into hobbies that make no sense, like buying a telescope so you can see the stars. I love that stuff. Um, it seems like every grandparent should have a telescope in their backyard. So when the grandkids come, they can look at the stars together or look at the moon. Anyway, uh, big event coming up March 11th, Saturday, 10 to noon, Lafayette Park Hotel. It's about retirement issues. It's with CFP, Stephanie Richmond. It's an exciting presentation. It's new. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. 25 years ago when I started this show, I was thinking tech investing. I was thinking beating Warren Buffett. Now I want to be Warren Buffett. I want to go with cash flow companies, companies that are earning money. Companies that have reasonable valuations. But 25 years ago, I wanted to beat them. We, we, it's constantly changing. And there's so much to getting a financial plan together and so much getting you to retirement, whether it be what happens when a spouse dies or divorce or insurance or buying real estate, buying real estate high or low. And I, I realized something not too long ago. I bought real estate in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and my 50s. And I think I can say this. I'll probably buy one more, maybe in my 60s, or one more to live in my 60s. And I didn't know I was going to be able to say that 30, 40 years ago. So it's interesting how financial planning has evolved in my life. It's all about getting to retirement, though. And coming up March 11th, Saturday, 10 to noon, Lafayette Park Hotel. I'm going to be doing an event with CFP Stephanie Richmond. She is with EP Wealth and a regional director in the Bay Area. Pretty darn cool. We're going to be talking a lot of retirement content. I've heard this presentation. It's the first time I've ever done a presentation with her. Super new, super fresh, super exciting. And your stories are the best part about it. Stephanie, let's talk about working after retirement. Uh, what comes to your mind when I say those three words? Well, for me, it sounds like I'm going to find something fun if I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay, That's Fair. the first thing. Um, but, you know, what what is interesting is that more and more, quote, unquote, retirees are are going back to work. And there's several reasons, Rob. Um, what the the primary one is connection. Okay. You know, um, I think through the pandemic, a lot of people were I don't want I don't want to say forced into retirement, but really got a um, a good look at what retirement might feel like. And they realized they were lonely. Right. And and so therefore they decided to go back to work because we found, you know, and, and it's true that, you know, connectivity relationships help us all live longer. So so there's that's a big part of it. But there's a few other reasons, I think, particularly um, in the environment we've been in with with higher inflation, uh, many people have found that their savings aren't going as far as they thought or they're nervous that they won't go as far as they thought. And so therefore, they, they're they going back to work because they want a little bit of extra income. And uh, uh, there's, you know, there's also another reason is that, um, you know, in doing planning with several of my clients, 
um, we found that they're just tired. They're tired of their main job. They're, they're the, you know, the profession they've been in for years mm-hmm. and um, that they could actually stop and do something new or different. And as I said, maybe fun um, and earn a little bit less income or maybe even significantly less income, work fewer hours and phase into retirement. And I've got, there's a story of a woman who is actually interesting enough, the the woman I uh, got my, uh, my standard poodle from um, this last year, she retired from a higher power job. And while she raises uh, standard poodles um, as her main focus now, I mean, she's got a great job at a um, you know, at a grocery store now, believe it or not. And, you know, she loves being engaged. She doesn't necessarily need the money, but she just loves the connection. And what she finds herself doing, she happened to have been in our industry, is she finds herself kind of mentoring young folks on saving for retirement, you know, what to think about regarding health care, et cetera. I think that's great. And I think there's no shame in taking a lower pay. And I think there's no shame in taking a white collar job and becoming a blue collar job. Um, I'm thinking about it as I've turned 50 plus and I'm thinking, how much time do I have left? And my goal is maybe to teach in retirement, uh, maybe a journalism class, uh, because whether I know it or not, I've done 25 years of financial media and financial journalism, and I do have opinions and I'm excited. How do you wash a dog? Stephanie, how do you wash a dog? (laughs) Very carefully, right? With shampoodle. Yes. Um, you know, we actually uh, uh, take the dog into a walk in shower. He's so big. Right. We can't okay. lift him into a tub. And that's how you wash a dog. And you also make sure you've got a wetsuit on because you're going to get very wet. I'm, I'm joking about that last part. But <laughs> you missed my joke. Shampoodle. Shampoodle. I missed Shampoodle. your joke. I'm so sorry. That's great. I'm going to use that. <laughs> so let's talk about retirement of <laughs> uh, working in retirement. Um, I like your idea of transitioning. And for me, that's the only thing I can think of because I've, I've seen family members go into prisons and talk to life sentence prison people. And when they retire, I've seen family members do meals on wheels and I've seen the worst one family members just watch TV, gain mm-hmm. weight. And basically once you stop moving, you kind of, you're like a shark. It, it doesn't go well. You need, you need to move for your health. Um, any thoughts on health and retirement and, you know, the ability to work obviously keeps you your heart pumping, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually interesting, Rob. I think it is very important to stay engaged in your health and be an advocate for yourself. Right. And and, um, you know, join join, you know, join a meetup group and go hiking, um, uh, spend yep. more time at your local gym, uh, you know, anything you can do to move is going to keep you healthier longer. And I know this isn't to talk about uh, health in general, but make sure you get enough sleep as well. I mean, as we age, that's one of the areas that that um, we often have trouble with. So make sure that you, you know, you spend time being an advocate for yourself in that arena. And I'm just going to toggle into something that I think is critical here is is make sure you've got the right health care plan as well. You know, one of the things we're going to talk about in the, in, uh, the seminar we're going to do here soon is uh, what happens when you turn 65, right? And um, what is the right uh, supplemental plan to have in addition to Medicare Part B, Medicare Part A? And what do you need to know? And 
though therefore you can take better care of your health and frankly better care of your finances because if you have the wrong plan you may have to spend more than you think in retirement on your health care that slide that you have for the presentation coming up Saturday, March 11th at Lafayette Park Hotel. People can sign up at robblackshow.com. That slide that you have is powerful because I didn't know there were so many options. Um, and it's something I don't do. I get it the fun job. I get to talk about technology. I get to talk about investing. You get some of the more mundane tasks of helping people choose healthcare plans. And it is critically important. And uh, I, I've seen people stress over like the open enrollment period. That's something a CFP will do. They'll sit down with you. They'll hold your hand through it. They'll show you the pros and cons. Um, that is a pretty good slide. So, yeah, I, I, I really find that exercise so uh, impactful because to your point, Rob, I've met so many people that are either nervous about making the decision yep. get, or get frustrated because they can't figure out what the heck to do. So I really it's a great service we offer. One minute. It's interesting. And um, thanks for bringing that up. I know last week you were telling me that you were helping your own mother with some of the health care plan options. And to me, that's fascinating because you and I are in the industry and we get to help our loved ones. But a lot of people obviously don't have access to people like us, but they do have access to the event coming up. And thanks very much, Stephanie Richmond, to the event coming up Saturday, March 11th, Lafayette Park Hotel. Stephanie is going to be going over preparing for the kind of retirement you want, defining retirement goals, telling you what roadblocks are there, sources of income, income gaps, what happens in down years, super important and much, much more. You can sign up for the event by going to robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Saturday, March 11th, Lafayette Park Hotel, 10 to noon. Sign up at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I like going to the edge and stopping right there. Um, a little provocative at times. Baby boomers, they're a problem. Okay, now I've already told you that, you know, kind of like creating some controversy here for no reason. They've created an economy that's really not that great for where we are. They're the largest generation in the global history. They're entering their twilight years as they ride off into the sunset. They're leaving behind an economy that can't really handle the 21st century. Boomers have spent the last few decades shaping the world in such a way that it's made the current crunch more painful. Boomers' economy is brittle. It's stingy. It's built on undersupply. While inflation may be cooling a skosh, future prosperity for millennials, Generation Zers, and beyond depends on reversing this economy-wide bottleneck created by boomers. Boomers shrink the labor force that they now need. The baby boomers ensured the labor market of the generations after them would be inadequate. They had substantially fewer children per household than their own parents. This keeps coming up. If American women are more in the workforce, not by a lot, but a little bit more in the educator workforce than men, it's like 50.2% to 49.8%. If they're in the workforce, they tend to delay childbirth. And if they tend to delay childbirth, they tend to downsize the family. Now, again, I'm not getting into the whole sexist commentary. No, 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 no. But boomers didn't have a lot of kids. My brother Dave's a boomer. He had one. Uh, My brother Clint. Well, my Clint Pete had one. 
Um, the American fertility rate has declined from 3.7 births per women to about two births per women. While there are many reasons for the decline, some were positive elements. More women pursued higher education. More women pursued careers. Um, but as baby boomers became a steadily more powerful political bloc, um, they elected politicians who pursued immigration policy that has slowly closed the door to prospective residents. Um, again, if we're not having the children, we need to have many immigrants come into the country um, to fill the jobs that are open in our economy. And it can't just be European immigration. It has to be non-European immigration as well. And this is where the show starts to sound like it's political and has opinions. I'm just looking at the labor force and the numbers and the number of job openings. I'm taking a look at, you know, who did I have to hire to take care of my mother, to visit her when she was alive and make sure that her medicines and her house were clean and, and effective. Um, it was a person from another country who wasn't born in the United States, but who came to the United States. So breaking the boomer bottleneck, America needs more stuff. Despite being a land of plenty, the country lacks the workers, the homes, the energy, and the logistics to pull all this together. We lack homes. We lack workers. We lack enough energy. We're not exactly thriving um, and it's not exactly abundance because we lack those things. It's a fascinating thought to blame the boomers. And I'm just trying to be controversial for one segment. Uh, get you thinking. Elon Musk unveiled Tesla's master plan. It was a little underwhelming, to be honest with you. It's master plan three, where at times in master plan two and master plan one, he talked about full self-driving autonomous vehicles. He talked about uh, 10,000 Tesla robo taxis taking to the streets. Nothing that exciting this time. He said engineers are working to make vehicle assembly cost 50% less. Cybertruck will start shipping by the end of the year. And robots, robots, robots. So he thinks robots will eventually outnumber humans on the planet. And I guess I can get behind that a little bit. But with that being said, it's a pretty expensive cheerleading moment, if you know what I'm saying. TikTok is implementing a feature that will stop your kids from using TikTok for over an hour a day. It'll limit their screen time. I'm all for that kind of stuff. Um, big event coming up Saturday, March 11th in Lafayette. Still time to sign up. It's filling up pretty quickly, though. I'm pretty pleased with it because East Bay has never been as exciting as the peninsula as far as attendance goes. But this one's filling up nicely. You can sign up for it at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Dot com. Something that I'm working on for tomorrow or next week are homes. The gap between the value of a typical black-owned home and the typical U.S. home remains wide. I was a little bit shocked by the statistics. Not, I guess I wasn't shocked. I really wasn't. I don't want to embellish. The typical black homeowner gained nearly $84,000 in equity from 2020 to 2023. The typical black-owned home was worth 17% less than the typical home overall. Um, in the last three years, that gap has closed to 15%. Um, can you imagine we live in a society where we have to talk about black homes catching up to non-black home values? It's just, it's, it 
it makes my eyes bold when I see statistics like that. I'm like, is that for real? And the answer is yes, it's for real. Women now outnumber men in the U.S. college-educated labor force. Women have overtaken men and now account for more than half, 50% of the college-educated labor force. And it's leading to fewer marriages, which is leading to fewer children, which is leading to fewer homes, single-family homes being bought. Seven ways baby boomers are wasting money in retirement. I always love little stories like this. Um, And the one that I, I think kills me is the failing to plan vacation strategically. Uh, how are you going to waste money in retirement? You're going to vacation improperly. Um, you're going to go on exotic getaways versus local getaways. And you're not going to budget terribly well. You're going to buy expensive gifts. You're going to overpay for medical care. That's something Stephanie's going to go over in the seminar in Lafayette on March 11th, Saturday, is healthcare options and choosing the right ones. Try not to get a loan to cover a planned expense in retirement. There's all these little tips and tricks and hints and things that we could use. Hopefully you're learning from the show. I'm Rob Black. Tell a friend. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Sign up for the event today for March 11th in Lafayette. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.